30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes, and welcome to another episode of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host, the Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the nerdy South, the clown prince of podcasting, Tyler Mack. And joined by the co-host, the doctor of nerdonomics, the juicy one. He has his PhD in all over nerdology. He is the Riddler to my Joker. He is the juice doctor. Davis, what's up, Doc? You make me sound like a supervillain, and I, I, I love it. That's what I appreciate yeah. about you. Is that what you appreciate about me? That is what I appreciate about you. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can't believe it that we are uh, doing the show like consistently two weeks in a row. I know, and at a decent time. And at a decent time. <laughs> well, decent-ish. Decent-ish, more decent than eleven thirty or twelve. <laughs> you got that right. How was your How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was spent mostly in a state of panic, mm. uh, because as we have uh, alluded to many times of the past few weeks, I have a big musical coming up in just a few days. Um, and we were supposed to have school on Monday and Tuesday of this week, and it was called out for sickness. Because we had a lot of sick kids, I guess, and sick teachers. So that's two important days of rehearsal and set work and all the things that I'm missing. So, you know, I panicked a little bit, but hey, it's going to be okay. I I got to meet with a small group of my uh, lead characters, lead actors today. We did a little extra work and uh, had some pizza and just sort of had a day. And uh, I I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be all right. There's still several more minutes before you open. Uh, only, only a few, but we'll we'll get there. I think we'll be okay. So oh, cool. I'm panicking a little less now. Good, good. Talk to me again in a week. It'll be a different story. But yeah, as of right now, I am feeling good. Okay, good. Well, it was a busy weekend. We had our closing weekend of Peter and the Starcatcher. It was great. We had some good turnout uh, in each show. A lot of laughs. The show made money, which is, you know, 
hard to do, especially post COVID. Yeah. Especially post COVID, especially in live theater in a smaller town. But, you know, it did well. Uh, it got a lot of people chattering about, you know, encore and, and that's what you love to see. And we are, I believe, less than a week away from or a little over a week away from Candace, our dear friend Candace, officially taking over uh, as Encore's acting artistic director. So she's she's going to do a phenomenal job. Yes. Yes, she is. She's going to do fantastic. Hopefully uh, shortly after the new year, we'll have her on here to talk about Encore season and stuff. Kind of just talk to one of our sponsors and which would, you know, it'd be fun to do with everybody. She's going to come on here and she's going to talk about the season shortly after the new year, uh, which looks to be pretty interesting. Uh, Probably two shows I'll do. But I I do have to admit, just the driving back and forth from Morristown and Dandridge Mm. that I have done all week, you know, all month and a half, made me decide not to audition for School of Rock. As much of a dream role that Dewey is, Driving to Jonesboro and back uh, would have been terrible, a nightmare because that would have been an hour one way and an hour back every single night. That would be a fun role, though. I would like to do that one, too. It'd be great. And, you know, I was I had a plan. I was full on going to leave, ask to leave, strike early Sunday and go audition. But after the last few weeks of just back and forth from Dandridge to Morristown, that's just a 40 minute drive, 35, depending on the interstate. I was like, I can't. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not that crazy. 10 years ago, I'd have probably done it. Oh yeah. I yeah. listen 10, 12 years ago, I was yeah. known to be involved in about three or four projects at one time. Greenville, Newport, Morristown. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the triangle. You'd drive was, a triangle. Every I, week. Did. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah, what a time. Those were to be young. Oh, God, our younger days. I was talking with Max, who who, one of the Encore kids who, you know, was was Gomez Adams recently for Encore. But he was also doubling as Tin Man at his school and he was doing the back and forth. You know, he'd he'd get out of school, you know, go to his locker, go to rehearsal for Wizard of Oz. Then he'd come to Encore's rehearsal for James. And I was like, I remember those days. Oh, yeah. I remember doing that stuff. And yeah. saw you're doing this show and James and the Giant Peach. And I'm like, ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was yeah, a good uh, closing show. It was great. It was a great audience. Very packed. A lot of laughs. The only the only downside is some of the basic audience members kind of uh missed the the general like what's happening in the beginning yeah you know they're that prologue that like it's, oh they're a family it's a little vague it is a little vague they're a family putting on this show yeah you know it was fun I, I i was happy to see that you and becky i was happy to see becky show up did you enjoy the show i loved it that's good uh, that's a play that i uh have loved for a long time and uh, of course, I see you and everything that you do. So had to be there. And I really enjoyed it. And Candace is just an incredible director. She mm-hmm. does a great job with everything she does. Um, so, yeah, we, we really enjoyed it. And I think one of our favorite moments was when you were the fighting prawn and you got to say a squid poop. A squid poop. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Part. Yeah. I would uh, purposely deliver that line as Santino Morella. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is a Santino line. (laughs) 
but it was fun. It was it was fun getting to show off and play different characters and do different voices. And the cast was great. I got to work with Brant and Kelly again, which is always a positive uh, and a pleasure. I got to work with some new faces. Got to do a show with Sawyer. Because um, I, I initially, uh, we were in the dressing room during Tech Week, and I said, Sawyer, this is our first show together. And he said, no, it's not. I went, what did we do together? He said, that's something wicked show with Joe Powell. And I went, Oh, well, we don't, oh. we don't count that garbage. We don't count that show. I didn't um, realize Sawyer was in that. He was for like two minutes. He was a little bit carny character for like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, the show had all the potential in the world, but I, I don't, there, there are days that I completely forgot that sh- show happened. Um, but I was like, okay, so this is our, our second show together. So, and and one thing that Nolan said Sunday after uh, seeing the show, and then he talked to Sawyer after while I was talking to some other people, and he goes, "What's that like?" And I was like, "What's what like?" And he's like, "You've watched Sawyer Stacy grow up. Yeah, you had him in Beta Club. You you had his mom as a teacher before he was born. You know." <laughs> He's like, so what's that like doing a show with him knowing he's about to turn 18? I was like, sickening. Yeah. It, it, it sits in your stomach like, Ugh. he shouldn't uh, be turning 18. The whole <laughs> time that I was watching him up there, I was thinking about him as little Jojo, his first, uh, yeah. in Susco, it was his first time doing anything. Yeah. And he was so young. He was in like the fifth grade. Yeah. And now here he is. And, He's crazy. He's so good with the physical comedy. Yes. The voices. And I was very, uh, very impressed with with the choices he would make uh, building his own character, because we really only had like typically the way Candace directs is is, you know, she does the whole full like. We do the first reading. You get your script and the next rehearsal is table work. I want you to come you know, with highlighter, pencil, pen, you know, your characters, you know, backstory, you know, all this Uta Hagen stuff and, you know, stuff that we would have done in stagecraft class or theater class, you know, and she does that with each cast, but we have four weeks to put this together. So she didn't have a lot of time to individually work one-on-one with people. So it was kind of up to us as a cast to make choices and let her see them as opposed to her work with us. So I was always impressed by Sawyer's choices that he made that he would make on the fly. And you could always tell, and Brent and Kelly are the same way. If it didn't work, you could almost see them note in their head that didn't work. So next time we'll try something different, mm-hmm. you know, and just great cast to work with. Uh, all, I, all three of them grew up in Encore. Yeah, I had never done a show with Dennis either. Um, this was his last show. He's about to leave, about to move um, to New York. Uh you know, it was it was good to do a show with him. It, you know, he's he's funny. Mm-hmm. He's a funny guy. And of course, uh, some of the other cast members, you know, I've done shows with a couple of times, some not. And it was just a good weekend, man. It's a good couple of weekends. It was fun to do a show. You know, I'll take a break until the next thing that pops up that I, I want to do. Maybe something will come around the pike that you get excited to do again. You never know. I find it. Uh, probably know. to be very unlikely but you never know never know never say never so we are continuing on our uh hashtag nolan november 
<laughs> we're moving on with our favorite of the trilogy and probably everyone's favorite for the most oh, part. Yeah. Probably one of the best uh, comic book movies ever made. But before we get to that, we got a couple more things to talk about. Hey, did you know that we are uh, this month? We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Oddly enough, I did know that because I know that uh, a couple of weeks ago was the 21st anniversary of the Sorcerer's Stone. Saw that on my time hop. Yeah. Uh, and I know that Chamber of Secrets came out the following year. So well, we could buy Sorcerer's Stone a beer this year, couldn't we? We could, couldn't we? No. Holy moly. Holy wow. Toledo. Holy Toledo. Wow. So, yeah, 20 years of the second movie. Um, I know it's got one of your favorite characters in it with Gilderoy and yes. and probably the most, you know, honestly, I could say about you, probably the character you quote the most. Sword? Is, is either... I've got a sword. That boy does, though. He'll lend you one. You live here. <laughs> this is a Picard sort of place, isn't it? You live here. Uh, great movie. Um, I, you know, I find, I find it hard to especially these these days you know when i put them back in and i watch back through them i find it hard to find anything i dislike mm-hmm. in the past i would tell you book to movie i dislike the third movie yeah more than That's, the others i think it's my least favorite of it's all of them book to movie quality i think the third's worse but it's still great it's still got great moments it's still got sure. serious blacks introduction and all that so um but yeah, 20, 20 years of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Congratulations. It's still impactful in pop culture today. Do they do the Chamber at Universal now? No. They don't? No. But that would be a good Halloween thing that, that they should do there. Yeah. Do it surround sound like the basilisk is in the walls around you? Yeah. With yeah. the whispers. Kill. Kill. That'd be cool. Yeah, and like let you walk, like go through the bathroom thing, and yeah, go, go down to the chamber. Yeah, and you have to unlock it. You have to remember the code. Uh, <sighs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be so good. And sadder news: we have November's just sucked, man. Yeah, not been good for this. Not been good for pop culture. We lost. JDF, the best Power Ranger of them all. He was my favorite. I still, in our attic in Morristown, have the seven VHS tapes of the Green Ranger saga. Mm -hmm. He was the first time when I was a kid that a villain was cool to me. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. he's got swagger and he scares them and he beats them and Mm -hmm. his sword's a flute too. And... (laughs) (laughs) Green Ranger was my favorite, man. I, I loved Tommy. Uh, I liked I liked that he stuck around so long, uh, and they, they did the changes they did with him with the White Ranger and, you know, the Sword Saba and then being the Red Ranger and the Gold Ranger. And, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he even continued it, and he was in the newer generations. Yeah. And, and he loved that fan base, man. He loved that that universe, and he respected yeah. it because it – he knew he was one of those celebrities like this got me to stardom. Yeah. So why would I disrespect it? He was all in, man. He would, yeah. uh, I would see him at conventions and uh, he, he had the green streak in his hair. A lot of times when you'd see him seem to 
be such a very positive, like he realized the importance that uh, his position had as, as someone who's like a hero to all these kids, you know, I've got all these eyes on me. And I feel like that's something that he took very seriously. And and like you said, he stuck around for all these years, making cameo appearances. He did fan films. He did, you know, little spots in the shows and all that stuff. Like he was like the power Rangers guy. And I don't know about you, uh, but I know for me, Power Rangers was my first like nerd obsession. You know, when mm-hmm. I got out of the phase of, OK, you know, I'm too old for Sesame Street and, you know, all that stuff. Now I'm like I'm growing yeah. up, you know, I'm in school yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Power Rangers was my first like I got to watch it every day yeah. when I'm not watching it. I'm playing it. I'm pretending to be one. This one. Man, you know, we've had a lot of these, like Hagrid, probably Coltrane a few weeks ago. This, Kevin Conroy. Uh, yeah, uh, this, Kevin Conroy. Um, it's, it's been rough for the pop culture to start uh, seeing our, our generation of heroes. This one really, really stopped me in my tracks for a minute, though. You know, because I was just transported back to, like, five-year-old me yeah. being, you know, all crazy about the Power Rangers and you know, watching oh, yeah. the, the movie was one of those repeats for me. Yeah. That I would just never got sick of. So with the Power Rangers. Oh, where's my autograph book? And I think this is also, you know, on a more serious note, a, a great time to mention, like, if you are in a place uh, in your life where you feel stuck and, you know, you feel like there's no way out, you need to remember that that's not the case. Um, reach, reach out. There, call somebody. There. Talk to someone. Uh, the nine eight eight suicide and crisis lifeline is something. Uh, literally, you just dial nine eight eight. That's a twenty four seven toll free hotline. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need help, and also the uh, national suicide prevention lifeline. It's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five or eight hundred two seven three talk. Same thing, twenty four seven, day or night, confidential. Uh, you can text as well. So, you know, if, if, if you're in that place, you know, please reach out because, uh, you know, you, you matter. That's, that's not the answer. Yeah, and it's you not. matter. And the people, there's people who would, uh, there's who would, people who love you who and, and miss you who would. Yeah. It yeah. Would, yeah. It's, it's hard uh, for me to, it's hard for me to yeah. talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our, our thoughts and condolences go to his family and friends. Um, I broke out in tears today. Amy Joe got on her. God, I know. Oh, so, and I, I watched a little bit of it, and I, I started breaking out into tears because, I mean, that was Tommy and Kimberly, man. Yeah. I mean, they were the power couple of the Power Rangers and, and most of our elementary school days. And that one, this one's hard for a lot of people in the pop culture world and a lot of, you know, us 30-year-olds that grew up watching the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I don't know if you can see it. The listeners can't see it, but that's my Green Ranger sitting up on the. It's this like, I don't know, foot and a half tall, handmade out of fabric Green Ranger. His arms move from like 1994, something like that. And I still have it because Green Ranger was my favorite. So yeah, it, it absolutely sucks. But please, um, no matter how dark you get, always keep fighting. Reach out yeah. to somebody, please. Yeah. And if someone says something, take it seriously. Take yes. it seriously. Please, please um, take it serious. 
let somebody know, you know, you know, check in on your funny friends. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of the times they're the ones wearing the mask, you know, check in, just check in on people, your friends, your family, then love each other. Did you see the thing about the new avatar to break even? It's going to have to become the fourth highest grossing movie of all time. Pretty much that's their goal to break even this. Uh, the production budget alone was $250 million plus. Mm-hmm. I think they got a good shot. I mean, and I'm sure they do. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fans of Avatar out there, but you know, it's a sequel so many years later. And exactly we see those, we see those suffer. We've and lot. we've known that it's been coming for a long time. Yeah, a very long time. So I just mean like it's very highly anticipated. Yeah. I mean, the first one was 2009. I think that they took Avatar off of Disney Plus for a while, and they just now put it back on. Yeah, because they they did a re-release in theaters. Yeah. You got to make money. Look, man, I'm going to go see it. I'll go see it. I mean, it's a beautiful film. It's Um, like cinematography and all that. It's very beautiful. It's three hours and ten minutes, so I may need to, like, you know, get a catheter inserted or something. Because <laughs> um, we know how that goes for me. But yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The next little bit is, uh, you know, we talked a lot about what was going on with Blade and all that. And he was unhappy in the, yeah. the show, the, the movie runner um, kind of left the project, like the showrunner and the director and all that. So right. they have found uh, Yann Demange, uh, no for directing the pilot of HBO's Lovecraft Country, and they are going to make some changes that will take uh, Marvel to a much darker and grittier world. Oh, so, very good. So I'm excited to see that. Um, Herschel will be a great blade, I think. Glad to see that they figured some of that stuff out. Good. Yeah. You know, when it comes out, we'll go see it and, you know, tune in here. And in other news, uh, The Walking Dead had its series finale yesterday and nobody cared. <laughs> Back to you, Tyler. Well, well, I know I know uh, two people who cared, uh, Padawan J and, and Ken M, uh, uh-huh. especially Pad. They've been following it. And that's where I get my Walking Dead updates. I just listen to them. I heard of watching. that uh, it was underwhelming. I've heard a lot of underwhelming stuff. Uh, I've seen some clips that are already out there. So I don't know know at this point in the story who survived, who's still around. I don't know anything about it. They Um, did show uh, Michonne and Rick at the end. And everybody knows they're alive. Okay. They're just not with them. Michonne's looking for Rick and Rick's outside of New York or whatever, but they're getting their own show. Daryl and Carol getting their own show and Negan and Maggie are getting their own show. So there'll be three other spinoff shows on top of the two that are already currently going on or three. And, you know, those six main characters are still alive and they're still going to be the walking dead universe. It's just, they ended the walking dead. So I ended up everything moving forward. Now will be original content. Do they have, Oh, it's been original content for a long well, yeah, time. Yeah, for a long time. I mean, but I mean, do they even have enough fan interest to really? It's still out there. Yeah, it's still out there. Eesh. All right. 
Yeah. Walking Dead's over, but the universe continues. Uh, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, uh, we don't mean to to trash talk it, but we, the two of us personally, just lost interest. Hey, look, and, and and I'm sorry, but that is fair because that's the case for a lot of people. Viewership yeah. went down significantly. I mean, that's all the articles that I'm seeing across my feed mm-hmm. related to The Walking Dead finale are more of what happened to the walking dead and why did it why was it such a huge deal and then all of a sudden nobody cared what do you think happened you you personally a lot of people blame the showrunner i don't know about the behind the scenes stuff with the walking dead i haven't kept up with any of that stuff in years and years uh but for me like it was like we're really just dragging out the story to get as many seasons out of it as we can like it's like that that bilbo reference of you know not enough butter over too much bread that's exactly what was happening there for and for my taste yeah like once we got negan it's like all right let's do this and then it was just like slow motion when things should be getting more intense Mm -hmm. but they did not yeah so i just gave up and i mean this was i was still trying to keep up when emma was born so, like, I remember holding her in the rocking chair, waiting to go to rehearsals for The Wizard of Oz, which is the last show I did five mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, five um, years ago. That was, like, the last time I remember watching The Walking Dead. So, whatever was happening five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Me and Mom caught up to the beginning of The Whisper War, or the first winter of The Whisper War, and haven't watched since. I just kind of... Uh, and I felt like they stopped taking chances. You knew who characters that were going to survive that they wouldn't touch. And they, they stopped taking those, those chances. And you knew Daryl wasn't going to die at that that point. You knew Carol wasn't going to, you knew Ezekiel wasn't going to, even though he was supposed to, you knew Negan wasn't going to, or Maggie, they just stopped taking those chances of killing main characters. And uh, that I think, you know, you take away those stakes you start to lose people. Yeah. I think that a lot of people stopped watching at the spoilers. Uh, Negan killing Abraham Ford and yeah. uh, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people stopped there. And that was brutal. That was very, that was tough. Um, it was, but that was tough in the comic books as well. Yeah. And that's why I told people, I was like, guys, that's source material. Yep. I mean, not Abraham, but, that's that's yeah. what happens so but that created an extra little element of whoa you mm-hmm. know like that shock factor so i was okay with it yeah absolutely so if you're still into it uh i'll probably catch up with mom once everything's on netflix and um i know she'll want to watch the other shows because she loved rick uh that's what really took her out of it was when rick left she was like Ugh. yeah because he that- is the show for her for, yeah. for a lot of people, he was. So that took a lot of people out of it. So, I um, mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if there's a rebirth in the fandom and the franchise, kind of like there has been with Game of Thrones and House of Dragon. So right. it could happen. It absolutely could happen. But we're going to step away and take a quick break. When we return, we are going to be breaking down, discussing, and talking all things of the best of the Nolanverse, The Dark Knight. When 30 and 30 podcast returns. 
30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Established in the summer of 2015, Tennessee Legend Distillery is more than just another moonshine stop in the Smoky Mountains. From our multi-award winning silky smooth salted caramel whiskey to our king snake two-year-old bourbon whiskey, our local favorite vodka, and even our legendary line of cream liqueurs, there is something for everyone. Focusing on a small town vibe, our family and friend owned and operated business has kept us grounded to the heritage of the volunteer state with our fun, courteous, and smiling staff. Come in for free tastings and leave with your spirit of choice, whether it be Richard's Damn Good Gin or the legendary Hammershine. You can find us on social media by searching Tennessee Legend Distillery, where you can see behind the scenes features new deals, and our always fan-favorite Thirsty Thursday cocktail recipes. Now we do have two locations here in Sevierville, one on Highway 66, one on Newport Highway. We also have locations in Cookville and Nashville. If you do visit our Sevierville location located at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway, tell them the guys at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. You'll receive a free shot glass, and 15% off your purchase. What are you waiting for? Come be a legend at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. Hello, my name is Nolan McDaniel, and I am the founder and executive director of Chat Academy Community School. Almost 18 months ago now, the dream of Chat Academy started with one singular focus. Designing a school with community input in its DNA. And now we're proud to announce that we are finally entering the enrollment season for East Tennessee's only public bilingual school. So why Chad Academy? At Chad Academy, we're focused on supporting students to become the problem solvers that can tackle the local, regional, national, and global problems that we don't even know about yet. We're designing an academic model that allows students the opportunity to chase curiosity every day by centering the problem-solving process in every single class. We're layering that academic model with a bilingual approach. Not only do we believe in the immense value of bilingualism, we also know that research shows that bilingual learners approach the problem-solving process with flexibility and creativity that is unmatched. But we're not stopping at academics. As a community school, we believe in holistic supports and breaking down the walls of a school, a learning environment that is truly in, of, and for the community. Part of our holistic supports includes a commitment to social-emotional learning and character development through our whole village approach. So why Chat Academy? Because there is truly no other educational experience like it in our region. If you are the parent or guardian of a student that resides in Hamilton County who is currently in the fifth or sixth grade, we invite you to apply to Chat Academy Community School when our application opens on November 15th. The application window will be open for one month until December 15th, when admissions will then be based on a full blind lottery. If you're looking for more information about our school, 
the lottery system or to submit an application, visit our website at www.chatacademy.org. We hope you'll apply today. Not only will you become a part of a one-of-a-kind educational opportunity, you will also be a part of the first classes at Chat Academy. Founder has a nice ring to it, huh? Rolling out, no worries, no cares. When the car came out of nowhere. That's when my whole world changed. Pills for the pain, medical bills insane. Lucky for me, I dialed OEB. Boom, turn your wreck into a check. The ones for you now call OEB Law. Boom, turn your wreck into a check. We got your back now call OEB Law. Woke up all broke up and messed up. Laying there in pain as if it wasn't bad enough. Couldn't work much and the bills are piling up. Insurance company wasn't paying up. I was down, I was out, but I wasn't quite done. Call 5461111. You're in pain, yeah, we got you. You can't pay, yeah, we got you too. Boom, turn your wreck into a check. The ones for you now call OEB Law. Boom, turn your wreck into a check. We got your back now call OEB Law. Boom, turn your wreck into a check. We got your back now call OEB Law. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm Jamie D. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thevillainsdemand.com. Hi, I'm Devony Pin, and you are listening to 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes. Deuce. Why so serious? You took the words right out of my mouth. Do you want to know how I got these scars right here? Do you see that one? I do. Weed eating. Yeah. You you guessed it. (laughs) End of the story. End of the story. No mystery here. None. So we're talking about the Dark Knight nerds and nerdettes. And as we like to do. Uh, some diving was done. The juice here did his due diligence and we're going to go through the plot a little bit like we used to. This, this is, this, this type of breakdown is, is what a lot of season one and two was like, we used to do these kind of breakdowns a lot. And it got to the point where we started only doing them on movies. We absolutely were passionate about, Yeah, you know, instead of just like, here's a small plot. Now let's talk about unknown nerdledge. Yeah. This movie you said it. You took the words out of my mouth last week. We had to do this one old school and do it right. Because yeah. we've probably, this movie alone, 
just as a single film is probably in our top rewatches mm-hmm. um, throughout our friendship. Yeah. Since we saw it in the theaters to now. Yeah. Um, Did we see it in theaters together at some point? It's the second time. Okay. Not the first time. Yeah. The first time it was me, Chris Mack, Kyle, and Tucson. Because you were doing something. I can't I remember what it was. I, I saw it in Knoxville with some friends from that that part of my life. Um, but I was trying to remember more of the circumstances about the times I saw because I saw it four times. Yeah. I was in love with this movie. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those that you can throw out that word that we rarely use. I think we need like some sort of like sound bite that goes with this when we use this because it's so rare and so important. Okay. But this movie is a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And, and it's, it's so rare that we we say that or, you know, the rest of the world says it. But, but yeah, this one is definitely appropriate of that title. Absolutely. So let's think back to July of 2008. We are going into our second year of college. I was doing Guys and Dolls for the Theater Guild. I was Tucson was Sky and Kyle was Nathan. Uh, Yeah, I did not know Tucson yet. You didn't know Tucson yet. Not really. Um, Tucson was Sky. They were the two lead male roles. So that's who I was hanging out with. Kyle's my cousin who you know, did this original riff that you hear every 30 and nerdy podcast at the beginning of the show. That rift is just out of his head on his guitar. That's all yeah. him. So a huge shout out to Kyle. Christopher was, you know, he wasn't even dating Kelly yet. He was single and living in that apartment up from our house. And we were hanging out like crazy because this was right. also still during the we, we you were about to join the pay-per-view journeys um, at this point. I think it was the next year. The next year. You joined our monthly pay-per-view drives to B-dubs in Knoxville. I was working at FYE at this time. Oh, yeah. West Town. Yeah. East Town. East Town. Yeah. Yeah. Way worse. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But I remember, like, I don't think that the anticipation was up, like, too super high for me at this time. Because I remember deep, I was disappointed with Batman Begins. So I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And I remember the night that I saw it, I was, I don't know what I'd been doing, but I was dead tired. I, who knows what, but I was There's like, There's a pattern, on. Josh. You're what? always dead tired going to the movies. <sighs> yeah. But this, I mean, I was young though, you know, like I, know. I was really young. So I was. Were you pulling I, three jobs at one time? There I was a time know. where you I, were doing like two yeah, or three it jobs was, at a time. I don't think that, that was the case yet. But I remember I had been doing something like I hadn't slept the night before. Like I was going yeah. on zero hours of sleep for some reason. Who knows what it was? And my friends in Knoxville were like, hey, we got we got you a ticket. You need to be here at this time. I was like, what? <laughs> and they were like, no, get over. Just get here. Get here. You're going. Like, all right, fine. So I got there and I was like, wow, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And then I go back to see it like three more times. And I found in my DVDs, which I, I've kept very few DVDs because I moved to Blu-ray. But while working at FYE, we had sometimes these special uh-huh. like steel case edition cases for mm-hmm. movies. Uh, they did one for Iron Man and they did one for The Dark Knight. And that was one that I made sure that I pre-ordered. And I still have it to this day. 
It's got the bat pod on the cover. And then on the back, we got Joker uh, walking down the street when he does the come on, hit me. I want you to hit me. Still case here, two disc special edition. This is one I will keep forever. Yeah. It's probably not worth much, but I think it's yeah. awesome. It's one of those things that after you die, Emma will try to hawk it to somebody. Yeah, she'll be like, what? Dad, why what do you is have this, this thing? What is this tin box with a random CD in it? Is there candy in this? Because <laughs> what do I do with this CD thing? Is, it, is this a weapon? This is a frisbee. This is somebody. Oh, uh, yeah, it was great times, though, man. I mean, we were, we had already met. We were already friends because oh, yeah, we, we, we had already done Camelot and no, Camelot was the fall after this, was a few months from this. Yes. Okay. So we were about to do Camelot. It, this movie did have such an effect on us, though, because mm-hmm. there was something we were doing. You on stage, we shake hands and you put a card in my hand on Joker stage. Card. You're leaving and I'm still like, I still got a scene to do. So I got to figure out what to do with this freaking card in my hand. Thanks <laughs> for that. <laughs> and it was a Joker card. Here's my card. Oh, it was a so, uh, uh, odd couple. Yeah, that was, it was it. we were just yeah. we were making Joker references all the time. We were obsessed with yeah. Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. I, I back when Blockbuster was still a thing. God, they had this big, huge like Joker portrait. Uh-huh. It was like his face was a little obscured. He was kind of leaning sideways. It's like he was finger painting in blood. Why so mm-hmm. serious or something like that. It was like 40 bucks at Blockbuster. I had birthday money or graduation money or something. <coughs> Sorry, it would have been birthday money because it's a year after. Oh, take it. <laughs> and I was like, this will be worth thousands of dollars one day because I saw this movie and it is amazing. So I must have this. And I think I still have it somewhere. Who knows where? And it's probably not worth crap. And I haven't even hung it up in all these 14 years or whatever it's been but it's like wrap oh yeah what in your finest bubble wrap one day i'll hang this in my man cave and here <laughs> i have a man cave and it is it is it not is, it's it nowhere, is, to it is nowhere to be found nowhere to be found but yeah i probably did say something like that yes blockbuster man wrap this man. in your finest paper man who uh busts the blocks please <laughs> uh, find your finest bubble wrap and uh, storage bins. And I Do not shall... touch it with your hands. Put on gloves, oh, please. Oh, I shall away with this fine piece of, <laughs> of art. I'm going to put it in my bathroom. Someone call the Met and tell them that there's been... <laughs> they've been robbed. <laughs> of a classic. Of this fine Heath Ledger Joker <laughs> picture. <laughs> <laughs> that now I, I don't even know where it is oh gosh but all right let's let's get into the the info let's get into the deets because we got a lot to cover here so the dark knight the masterpiece was released july 18th 2008 directed by christopher nolan uh based on the screenplay by christopher nolan and his brother jonathan the budget was only 185 million dollars but the payoff here incredible the box office this got over a billion dollars 1.006 billion dollars and i contributed four tickets worth of dollars to that amount yes 
So this is a huge deal. This is what makes the Dark Knight like, this is why we hold it on such a pedestal, okay? It was the first superhero film to gross over a billion dollars. The mm-hmm. first one to ever do it. That started the trend, man. That's mm-hmm. that's really the one that changed the game. As much as Batman Begins changed like the view of Batman and sort of revived it, I feel like yeah. Dark Knight was the one that really was like, wow, you know, you can have this dark sort of mm-hmm. theme and tone to a superhero movie and it'll work. Mm-hmm. And this is also around the same time the Iron Man was coming out, which did well, but nobody knew what was to come after that, right? No, no, so we didn't know. Making them, yeah, making we didn't them know these, what the MCU was. These huge epic productions, you know, this was really the start of it. And um, yeah, oh, yeah, over a billion dollars. It paved the way for the comic book blockbuster. It was the fourth film ever to earn over a billion dollars at that time. And it was also, speaking of uh, what we're talking about, James Cameron and Avatar, The Dark Knight became the fourth highest grossing film ever at the time of its release. Right behind Pirates of the Caribbean 2, which was, what, Dead Man's Chest? Yes. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, mm-hmm. and Titanic, which was number one for forever. Yes, Titanic. So I've got a little game I'd like to play. I'd like to play a game. Oh, okay. Okay. This will. This is very difficult. So I don't expect you to get all of them, but we'll just see how well you do. Oh God. There are currently fifteen superhero films that have reached the one billion dollar mark. Holy crap! Okay. I will also go and tell you. There's one of them that is not Marvel or DC. Out of these 15. That have reached the 1 billion. That has, has reached the billion dollar mark. And I'll, okay. give you more, I'll give you more hints as we come to it. Okay. Um, but I've, I've got a pin handy. i got a handy dandy pin here. Thank you, Tennessee Legend Distillery. Fine sponsor of 30. Oh, yes. So I have the list of 15 here. And, and as oh. you name them, I will mark them off. And okay. let's, how about we do this? When you get to three that aren't on the list, three X's, okay, that's the end. Is that fair? Yes. It's like AGT. There's (laughs) 15, okay? And so we already know that the Dark Knight is one of them. Uh, Yes, so 14. That that one's number 15, right? So we got 14 more superhero movies that made over a billion dollars. One of them's not DC or Marvel. Uh, not DC or Marvel. Um, wants to be a millionaire. Well, I mean, obviously, Endgame. Actually, billionaire because it's over a billion yes. dollars. Yes, Endgame is the number one. Very good. Uh, Infinity War. Correct. That is number two. <sighs> Can you give me like how many Marvel? How many DC? Okay. Uh, out, like out of what you have left? Yes. Okay. So remaining on the list, you've named three. So we got 12 left, right? Out of those remaining, one, two, three. Three of them are under the DC umbrella. Okay. One, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven. Eight of them are MCU, and one of them is other. Well, I mean, off, coming off of this movie, I would say Dark Knight Rises did. Yes. Okay. That is number 13. Good show. Jolly good. Oh, uh, Joker. Joaquin Phoenix's yes. Joker. Very good. That is number 14. What if you just go through and name every one of these? I'll be so impressed. I don't think I can think of the one that is under well, either banner. When I give you some clues, I think you will. So I've got Infinity War and Endgame. Yes. Oh, um, mm, Far From Home? Yes. That is number 11. When a Far From Home did, then No Way Home did. Absolutely. That is number three. There's one solo film that I know is like, oh, what? Really? Because it was surrounded by so much. Uh... Um, so the DC banner. I have. You got one left under one DC. left. One DC banner, one left. One that would make it. Um, it's one oh, that we like. I bet lot. Aquaman did. Yes. Okay. That is correct. Yes. That is number 10. So all of DC's done. Now you got some MCU and then the one other. Uh, Civil War. Yes. Easily. That's number nine. Did Captain Marvel? Yes, it did. That is number 12. Okay. On a roll. That's the one I was second guessing because there was so much clout surrounding it because people hated so many hateful people didn't like Brie Larson. Yes. Um, uh, Iron Man? No. That's one X. Uh, Iron Man 2. And that is two X's. Uh, I'm going to go for broke here. Iron Man 3. Yes. Oh, shit. That is number eight. Oh, Black Panther. Yes. That is number six. Uh, So you only have three more. Oh, God. And two of them are MCU. Two of them are MCU. And one of them isn't either. Is is right. Is neither Marvel or DC. Comic book movie? Yes. Superhero. Oh, superhero. Yeah. That one that you love so much that I'm like, eh. That's all right. Uh, about the family. Um, shit. Jack Jack in it. Yeah. In- uh, Incredibles. Yeah. Incredibles. Which one? Which one? Oh, don't do that. <laughs> God. Um, see, I didn't see the sequel, so I couldn't tell you if it was better. But I bet. Okay. Breaking this down. <laughs> At the time, I don't think one would have reached a billion. So two, yes. because it fell in the heat of 
the superhero genre. That is correct. And it is number seven. So you have two more and it's number <laughs> five and number four. The first Avengers. Yes. Oh, God. So the last one's an MCU still? Yeah. I got to think about this because just, okay, clear the mechanism. Because I'm very nervous. There's one on the top of my head, but I'm very nervous to say it because I know out of these sets of movies, it was the least favorite of people's. But God, Age of Ultron, son of a mother. Woo! <laughs> you did it. Da, 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 it da, was da, between da, da, da. Age of Ultron and Ragnarok for me. Yeah. You know, you would think that Ragnarok would have. I thought it would have crossed a billion. Uh, did you see Chris Hemsworth saying yes. he uh, wants to give up Thor? He might have to retire from acting because uh, he's he's more susceptible to Alzheimer's. Yeah. It's in his uh, it's in his blood, basically. It, mm-hmm. it can happen easier for him. That's sad, man. Yeah. Because he, you know, just a year ago, he said, I want to play it as long as they'll have me. But now it's like, oh, I might not get to. Yeah, and now there's also like two or three other Hemsworth brothers. So yeah, they've also got this. They've story also got the gene. So, well, that ah. was fun. That God, was, that was stressful. Good job. I'm very impressed. And you, I had one strike remaining. It's terrifying. So you did it. Good job. I don't so think I could have done. There's some good ones that didn't make that. Like, I oh, had God. to. I had to eventually get put my bias aside. Because obviously I would have said, oh, well, the new Batman surely crossed a billion. But I know it didn't. Putting bias in there, I probably would have been like Captain America 2. Because it's such a good movie. Mm. Um, Wow. Cool. That was stressful. Well, I didn't mean to stress you out. You should be proud. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. You pulled it off. That was really impressive pulled it out of my my butt as they say continuing on with the movie uh it has been nominated for eight academy awards in 2009 it won two including best sound editing and best supporting actor now you were talking about before we started recording the sound the the orchestration just the sound of the dark night and uh, I have to agree, man, like, because when I think the Dark Knight, you know, obviously I think of Heath, but I also think about those sounds that come in there and, and the, the actual sound tracking uh, orchestration of it. But I always go to the opening, that low, high pitch before yeah. the window shatters. I'm just like, oh, God, stop. It's like all the tension. Yeah, it's like a, it builds the tension and it's like a gnat in your ear. That you can't get. But it was nominated for 178 awards total and won 107 of them. That's like Lord of the Rings talk there. That's like sweeping in a lot of them. Uh, It's been chosen by the Library of Congress for preservation in the film registry. And I think it's crazy 
that they waited till 2020 <laughs> to choose the Dark Knight to preserve I don't, it. I don't know how that process works, but I'm glad it finally mm-hmm. made the cut. Because mm-hmm. that definitely belongs there. We talked about the other Academy Award uh, would be Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. That was Heath Ledger, of course. Mm-hmm. And this was the first comic book film to receive a major Academy Award. First time ever. Yes, uh, the nomination was announced on the anniversary of his death. And yeah. uh, Ledger, Ledger won a total of 32 awards. 32 awards total for just yeah. for the Joker. Just for the Joker. Uh, he had already had some awards in his pocket coming into this. I, I remember when when Heath died, uh, I was sitting in the man cave with Logan at his old house in Morristown, and the news came across the TV, and we were just devastated. I saw it in the chat in World of Warcraft. Wow. At my Collegewood apartment. Mm, Collegewood. Yeah. So this was way before uh, the movie came out. He died in what? January or something? Uh, Let's look that up to be sure. Yeah, he but died the same year it was released. I remember it was like winter time. or Yeah, something. it was winter of 08. So he did the movie and then... Oh. Yeah, January 22nd was when he died. Yeah, of 08. So didn't even survive a year after the movie was finished. So let's ask you this question. Knowing, you know, what we knew about Heath Ledger, that definitely created more of a buzz and drew a lot more attention to the movie. Yeah. Uh, Had Heath Ledger not died, is his performance still put on the pedestal that it is? Is the Dark Knight still held in such high regard as it has been after all these years? I mean, you got to think about it. Not to say that it's not deserved, but think about how many of these iconic actors or musicians or whatever, once they're gone, they... It's just like it kind of transcends it, yeah, yeah, like Kurt Cobain and Tupac and Amy Winehouse and you know, Jimi Hendrix and and Janis Joplin and all these people. Um, it's like once they're gone, they're again, not to say, not to say it like, oh, they don't deserve it put on a pedestal, but they are, they're put up on this, on this pedestal above everybody else. And so, I just wonder, do you think that that would have happened had he? lived i think so because i do too the performance alone was what spoke to so many people yeah um because we were seeing trailers before he died yeah i don't remember that part um and i remember thinking he was an odd choice well, going into it, because because most people knew Heath Ledger from A Knight's Tale and uh, Ten and things, things I Hate, I hate about, about You and The Lords of Dogtown. It's like Heath Ledger. Interesting, mm-hmm. you know, but at the time we were like, we already had the perfect Joker in the history of Batman live action. It was Jack Nicholson. Right. You know, and we and- already have the perfect animated with Mark Hamill. Do we need another Joker? 
they talked about how when uh, Nolan was meeting with actors about the Joker, he pretty much already knew he wanted Heath Ledger for it. But, you know, he was just meeting with people. Everyone was intimidated by it because they didn't want to have to follow Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And then Heath Ledger, you know, is, is fearless. So he goes into it. And then it makes me think, like, how it must have felt for Jared Leto because as much as everyone loved Jack Nicholson as the Joker, Heath Ledger was on another level for people, yeah. right? Like forever. That's that's our Joker. Well, yeah, I mean, other than Mark Hamill, but well, like, yeah, other than Mark Hamill, but I mean, like, he took the Joker past the clown. He, li- he it was reality. He li- grounded the Joker. Live in action. There will never be anyone for us mm-hmm. who will top Heath Ledger. I would imagine, right? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think that's going to be untouchable for us. So, yeah. like thinking about Jerry Lido, uh, and we didn't particularly like his. I don't think most people liked his. No, no. Of Joker, most people like, didn't. Having to go in and have this new take on Joker after Heath Ledger's performance is just so, you know. Well, and I, I was, I, I'll, I will say, you know, I'm not going to die on the hill of hate, 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 hate Leto. Yeah, um, it was something new. I applaud his, I need to be different. I applaud yeah. his choice of going in differently to not be Nicholson, not be Ledger. Um, as did Joaquin, as has uh, the new guy with with the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just be different. Um, and and the, the kid in Gotham. Yeah, uh, the kid in Cameron Monaghan. Yeah, uh, who I think is is that final uh, rendition of the Joker in the final seasons that he was doing was fantastic. It was really good. It was great stuff. Um, so um, I mean, I think I think it would have been big. I think it still would have been massive because we would have seen the performance, and it would have launched. Will he be in the third one? Right. You know, because all plans said there was going to be a cameo. Yeah. You know, he was prepared to have him in Blackgate or in Arkham uh, and somebody that Batman could go talk to about Bane kind of thing. Like in the Batman, he goes to talk to Joker about the Riddler in the most recent one. Um, So, yeah, I think it still would have been big. Yeah, sure. It adds a lot of clout when, when the actor passes away. Uh, and you know, people will say due to the performance, sure, he went to dark places. I mean, we've went to dark places on stage for characters, but you know, it's it's part of the job for a lot of people. And uh, I think he had a lot more issues than just playing the Joker, yeah. And I have been for years under all these misconceptions about Heath Ledger and the circumstances regarding his death and his you know, what he was like yeah. while doing the Joker. And so I've thought for years, like, oh, you know, he really went to this dark place, mm. and, which I guess to an extent he did, but like, oh, it really changed him. And he just really went all method and stuff. And that's really not true, actually. No, there were a lot of people uh, saying that he he's a, a firm believer in method acting, and which was created but, by Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. What? What? Edgar Allan Poe created method acting. This is false. I read it on the internet. Oh, well, then, of course, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Okay. 
So, um, but it's a misconception. He, he did not actually live as the Joker. Yeah. Now, what is true is that he locked himself in a hotel room for like a month and, you know, worked on the posture and the walking and the voice and, and all of that stuff. But, and he did a, a Joker journal, mm-hmm. like a weird, it's kind of creepy, like a, a journal. You can, there's footage of it somewhere out there. Um, so that's just like really getting in what's in, like in sync with your character, but not necessarily method. There is, a, there is a totally a difference between getting in sync and method. Yeah. So he wasn't living his life. Now, if you want to see true method acting, there's a great documentary on Netflix called uh, Jim and Andy about oh, Jim gosh. Carrey's, you know, whole journey of playing Andy Kaufman for Man on the Moon. That's true. Method. That's method acting. Yeah. No, that is method acting. But I show in, in my intro to theater classes, I will often show some Heath Ledger stuff when I talk about body language and posture. And, you know, mm-hmm. he had kind of stands all kind of his shoulders kind of slumped down and um, just the way he walks and all that compared to like a hero who's going to stand up straight and have the broad shoulders. And I'll watch the scene where he does the magic trick with the pencil. And I compare that to a video of Tom Waits. Yeah. A, a musician who Heath Ledger based a lot of the little mannerisms of, of Joker off of him. Mm-hmm. I show a side-by-side comparison of Heath Ledger talking as the Joker to Tom Waits. And we talk In that about, interview. Yeah. And we talk about, uh, like I said, body language and imitation and like how you portray another character, portray a, a, a real life person. Yeah. So I use the Heath Ledger stuff to teach kids how to act. Yeah. It's just that good. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Um, I think we, we were just in awe of it for so long that I think that that's what, what makes it big for us is yes, you know, as theater kids and just as, as moviegoers in general, when a performance comes along that you're just like, Holy crap, like Angela Bassett and Wakanda forever. Yeah. You know, these performances come along every few years that just, it doesn't matter what the movie is. It could be, you know, a fast and a furious movie. That's just an example. There's not performances that are phenomenal in that a lot of the times, but if there's a performance, that's what we kind of latch to. Like we might not love that universe of films, but if we were to see a, a performance, it's just like, wow, that's captivating. Yeah. Then yeah, it's, it's what draws us. But well, I think that the, I think the movie would have, would have still transcended most comic book movies. And I, th- I still think it would have made a billion dollars. I want to say, I, I agree. I think yeah. you're right. So, uh, I'll just get started with the plot here. We'll just move right along cool, and cool. We'll, we'll stop here and there and give our thoughts and whatnot. So this one begins nine months after the events of Batman begins. So this is still a pretty young Batman at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, so a gang of mass criminals robs a mafia owned bank in Gotham city, each betraying the others until the sole survivor, the Joker reveals himself as the mastermind and escapes with all the money. Mm. Great opening scene. Fantastic. Uh, 
I think this was the scene that they showed previews of in the IMAX theaters mm-hmm. because that scene was shot in IMAX, which uh, at the time of this, there were only four IMAX cameras in existence. Yeah. And they actually broke one of them <laughs> filming one of the car chases. So uh, something I've always thought about in this. And I should add, when this movie came out, like on home release, I had this really bad habit of taking my iPod touch loaded with a movie or whatever. And I propped it up on the little holder and I would listen to movies on my long car drives often. And Dark Knight was one of the first digital movies that I like redeemed and and had access to. So I had this movie on a lot while I was driving. Mm. Again, listening to. Sure. Yeah. Not watching. Because <laughs> we uh, wouldn't so, condone watching movies and driving. No. Uh, so I've, I've seen this a lot. And yeah. certain images stand out to me, such as you see the back of the Joker there standing on the corner. And he's holding that mask that he wears. The clown mask. Yeah. Later on, when he takes the mask off in the bank and reveals himself, he's in full face paint. So he's just standing there on the street corner in full Joker getup, like about to rob a bank. Not at all worried about the fact that that's the farthest thing from being inconspicuous as you could possibly be, because that's the Joker, right? He doesn't yeah, care. It's just he, he doesn't he doesn't care. So, I just think and- it's interesting that they they you know purposely don't show you his face, and when they yeah. do, it's it's in the, the paint. So he's standing there holding the mask, like in front of everybody. Just on the corner waiting to be picked up. Yeah. You know, a funny thing about that shot, two things. One, uh, in the background, if you like pause it on that shot and you look across the street, there's a Spider-Man 3 poster. What? Yeah. No way. In the shot. So like if you pause it on that scene, if you look across the street, so like over his right shoulder across the street, there's a marquee like there's a theater across the street and there's spider-man 3 poster right there wow i'm gonna have to go back and look for that and also the mask he's using is uh paying homage to it's a it's a it's a rendition that they created that pays homage to uh the joker's first appearance in adam west's right batman uh in 1966 he was painted that design that's how he was painted uh, or he had a little mask, like a string mask with that, uh, that same design. So that was Christopher Nolan paying homage to the Joker's first appearance in Adam West's Batman. And speaking of Joker, a couple other things we didn't talk about with Heath Ledger, the, the mannerisms like the licking the lips while he's talking. That started out as he had to do that to keep the prosthetics for the scars yeah. from falling off. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, I'll just make this a little mannerism for the this character. It's a choice now. It works. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It works. And his look was meant to be based off of Sid Vicious, who was like this grunge rock star from the Sex Pistols. Heck yeah. Uh, the voice, Tom Waits, and then a mm. little bit of uh, Alex Delarge from The Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. There was a lot I, of Clockwork Orange in his. I have only seen Clockwork Orange, Clockwork Orange like one time in my life. So I don't recall a lot about it. I know it's one of those cult classics that yeah. I need to know. It's, so an, it's, it's a cult classic. It's, it's on the list. Yeah. Uh, it's the, sh- it's the, you've seen Office Space though. Yeah. They pay homage to Clockwork Orange when they're destroying the printer. 
right the slow walk up with the bat and stuff and the kicking Mm -hmm. it and all that but in clockwork orange it's not a printer (laughs) they're doing that too and also speaking of joker uh we talked last week from when uh, Batman Begins was was the topic about how all the different actors who were approached or thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Carell and Robin Williams both expressed a lot of interest in playing the Joker. And that sounds great for like a comedic sort of Joker. Right? Robin Williams could have been the Joker in Schumacher's. Probably. Yes. Yes. But um, not not this one. And you know, Steve Carell, maybe. Um, and he wouldn't have been too old yet at that time. Uh, no. but for this world, this universe, no, neither one of them would have worked. Yeah. But like Steve Carell in a different universe is, is yeah. what I mean by maybe. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and uh, another interesting note about this early sequence here, uh, the bus bus crashing sequence, they had to do that by taking the bus apart and putting it together inside the bank. Wow. Yeah, and then they hit it behind like a, a wall and it used like air pressure things to push it through the wall. Wow. Yeah. Cool. It, Christopher Nolan is all about like, uh, as real as you can get on the stuff. Yeah. He doesn't do a lot of the CG stuff if he can help it. Um, He's he very practical. About, yeah. about the practical effects. Yeah. So moving on, the vigilante Batman, District Attorney Harvey Dent, and Police Lieutenant Jim Gordon form an alliance to eliminate Gotham's organized crime. Batman's alter ego, the billionaire Bruce Wayne, publicly supports Dent as Gotham's legitimate prosecutor protector believing his success will allow batman to retire so wayne can romantically pursue his childhood friend rachel dawes despite her relationship with dent rachel dawes (laughs) in this movie we talked a little bit about it last time has been replaced uh but we saw uh you know killian murphy returned Um, i saw this somewhere and i just i don't know if this is true we'll have to think about this but that he's the first actor to reprise a role of a villain in the entire Batman franchise. Like no one made two appearances. Uh, after him, yeah. Someone else did. Uh, Ra's al Ghul. But up until this point. Up until this point, no. No villain had made a reprisal. Well, Liam Neeson didn't come back for the third one. He was dead. Yeah, he's a ghost. He's like a, a figment that Bruce is seeing when he's in the... I thought you just saw an image of him. One no, he like talks, he talks to Bruce in the pit when he's hanging up by that rope. He walks towards out of the shadow and just talks to. Oh wow! So he makes an appearance. I don't it's, recall it's like that. A, it's like a phantasm. This shows thing. like the number of times I've watched Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises compared <laughs> to Dark Knight. Like, yeah, I don't remember much about those, but this one I know everything. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Rachel. Katie Holmes, I think it's a pretty unpopular opinion that she was better. I think we're two of the very, like, very few people who really? feel that way. Yeah. Based on a lot of the things I was reading and watching and stuff, most people felt like she just was no good and Maggie Gyllenhaal was better. But Wow. And for me, I liked Katie Holmes better. Yeah. Katie Holmes uh, declined to, to reprise the role because she was busy making a little movie called Mad Money. And I, I'm sure she's very proud of it. 
<laughs> Someone listening has seen Mad Money and they're like, it's a good movie. It's great. Um, you know, it means she got to work with Queen Latifah, I think. Yeah. Which is, which uh, is good. It's, it's when they play those uh, heists. It's all these women doing a heist or something. But it's like, you know, work with Queen Latifah being the fourth biggest movie yeah. of all time. Return as a character that was written for you. I guess she she didn't know any better. Yeah. But it, I, I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this question, but like, I'd like to hear her thoughts on that. Like, how does it feel now knowing like what how great the Dark Knight was and you didn't get to do it? How oh, I'd that love feel? to ask her that. Thanks, jerk. I'd forgotten about it. Next so, question, please. One thing that we, we notice uh, at this point in the movie is the Batman voice has God. gotten a lot more intense. The uh, I'm not wearing hockey I'm not wearing hockey pads. Uh, terrible. Just absolutely terrible. The one thing about this movie yeah. that is like a little bit of a uh, little bit of a flaw. Yeah, but not so much that it is it loses its rank as masterpiece. But uh, this apparently was Christopher Nolan's choice that uh, live and in person, the Christian Bell Batman voice was not nearly as obnoxious. Uh, But in the re-recording, the ADR uh, element of post-production, Christopher Nolan wanted it amped up. Uh, Bad choice, I think. I agree. Yeah. So we also see that uh, Batman is in need of a leaner, more flexible suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Christian Bale did not get as bulked up for this role as he did uh, the previous movie because the uh, the suit was different for this one. So he was able to, you know, move his neck for the first time. Yeah, which is good. Um, and they, Morgan Freeman, I think, made a joke about it should be fine against cats. That's supposed yeah. to be a nod to so Batman to Returns. Yeah, Batman Catwoman Returns. Gets yeah. him in the, the weak spot. With the claw. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and this was the first time that Batman could turn their head. Yep. Because every Batman before that had turned their whole top of their shoulders, the whole top of the torso. They'd have to turn the whole thing just to look. I also saw uh, this idea of making the cape the cape like retractable because they were worried about the stunt guys on the bat pod, like the cape getting caught in the wheels. Oh yeah! But they did some test runs, and like as soon as they took off, the wind would catch in the cape, so they never had to worry about it. Huh? That would have been another little change in the suit. It's interesting that the the Batman suit is changed and adapted for every single movie. Yeah, like I like that though. No, I do too. Yeah. I think I think you should do that, but it's like eventually we're gonna run out of bat suits. We're gonna run out of ideas. Like uh, I'm sure if on the next uh, Robert Pattinson Batman, we'll get an upgraded yeah. suit. So yeah. I'd say it'll take place in year three or four or something like that. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Aaron Eckhart playing Harvey Dent. You did a little digging, and a couple of names were interested slash considered before Aaron Eckhart really took the took the role uh uh, mark ruffalo liv schreiber which i think would have been fantastic uh josh lucas who also i think wasn't he also considered for batman uh and begins i I think he was a name that i mentioned uh matt damon apparently matt Matt damon like was offered the part 
Matt Damon. Uh, Hugh Jackman, who I think would have been great. Yeah. Uh, and Ryan Phillippe, who I can't say I, I'm a huge fan of, of him. i tell you what he's in. What is Cruel Intention in the 90s? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. They redid, he redid Shooter, uh, the television show that, you know, Mark Wahlberg was in the movie Shooter. Yeah, yeah. He did the television show. Okay. And played Shooter. Um, there's a lot. He's also in one of the best movies uh, in a long time that I remember seeing in theater is uh, Lincoln Lawyer with McConaughey. And he's in that, too. But there's a lot of clout surrounding him. He's been in some some hot water over the last six, seven years, you know, with like domestic abuse and stuff like oh, that. No. So um, I, I think he was cleared of it. But, you know, now that follows you. Yeah, so, for sure. Especially if you're in the limelight like they are. But yeah, I think uh, I think you would have been good. I think Liv would have been good. Mark Ruffalo probably could have done it. I could I could see it. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. Yeah. So continuing with the story, the mafia boss is gathered to discuss protecting their organizations from the police, Batman, and the Joker. When suddenly the Joker interrupts the meeting and offers to kill Batman for half of the fortune, their accountant Lau concealed before fleeing to Hong Kong to avoid extradition. And this is one of my favorite scenes. This is one of those highlight moments. Do I look like a guy with a plan? I'm going to make this pencil disappear. And it's gone. So standout things about this uh, appearance of Michael J. White, who he plays Gamble in this. Uh, Gamble here won't be able to get a nickel for his grandma. For his grandma. He played Spawn. Mm Mm-hmm. Another DC hero. The late 90s or Mm -hmm. something like that. There is now a crossover comic that's uh, uh, issues of comics that's going around called Batman Spawn. It's a team up. Interesting. With Spawn and Batman. What Uh, a great scene. What a great scene. I mean, uh, you get to see the chaos of, of him. Like, you know, he's got the grenades. So they don't like nobody move kind of thing. He's got all these grenades in his jacket and just pulling one string would pull them all. He does the pencil trick, which first reaction to that, I was like, what the, (laughs) like, holy shnikes. Uh, We never see anything like that. Uh, And just you get to see more mannerisms with him. um, And he's not crazy. I'm, his mother had him tested. Yeah, his his reaction. I'm not. You're crazy. No, no I'm, I'm not. not. I like I'm, the way he puts the emphasis on the T. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. God, all the little choices, all the little mannerisms, all the little voice cues, and just all the little tiny little things just made it so perfect and that was the thing that you kept going back to see that's the mm-hmm. thing you were so drawn to was was the joker yeah man i had back in the the days of people would get the weird text tones or music would play for your text tones god you were the worst about that you <laughs> we wanted to throw your phone out the window so many times and the view would not only did you have the, the tone as loud as it would be, but you also had the vibrations going. So when you had your phone in a cup holder, it's screaming at us, Sean mm, Michael. Mm, mm, I mm, think mm. I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. <laughs> I got the anyway. 
<laughs> and then you leave and like go upstairs to do something for your mom and we're sitting down there just having to listen to Shawn michaels and vibrations in the plastic chair for like <laughs> 10 minutes straight i find anxiety was through the roof but anyway my original point back in those days i had a text tone of like a little medley of joker quotes mm-hmm. from from this so it's like it would start out with the good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment and all that. So like watching the movie and hearing him say those things takes me back to that. Like, oh, I yeah. got a text message and, and takes me back to that time. It's weird how like certain sounds or smells and stuff can mm-hmm. like transport you through through time. It's crazy. Oh, I, I, yeah, it's wild. It is. I love it, though. Same. With the help of Wayne Enterprises CEO Lucius Fox, Batman finds Lau in Hong Kong and returns him to the custody of Gotham Police, and his testimony enables Dent to apprehend the crime families. The bosses accept the Joker's offer, and he kills high-profile targets involved in the trial, including the judge and police commissioner. Gordon sacrifices himself to save the mayor. The Joker threatens his attacks will continue until Batman unmasks. The Joker targets Dent as a fundraiser at a fundraiser dinner and throws Rachel out of a window, but Batman rescues her. Also a great scene. Um, the party scene. Uh, and, and, and something I noticed this last time I watched through it for this is Bruce Wayne and Joker make the same entrance into the party. Where's Harvey? Come up the elevator with their entourage. Where's Harvey? Where's Rachel? Takes a champagne glass and throws the champagne out. Like just kind of throws it back. Same entrance. It's like a mirror. Didn't Bruce land in a helicopter though? Well, yeah, he didn't come up the elevator, but entered with his. And another thing that I did read is they're all, uh, he's in black and they're in cyan, yellow, and magenta dresses the three girls with him that's cmyk that is the color that comics used to be printed in they purposely put them in the three dress and him in the black they they had it in cmyk how they used to print when i read that i went bravo christopher nolan that one's a one that probably slipped past a lot of people slipped past me for years (laughs) yep oh you know i'm a big fan of jump scares in movies Mm-hmm. not so much the part <laughs> where the mayor which by the way the guy who plays the mayor does he wear like a ton of eyeliner or is it just yeah me or i think it is. is it looks like he's wearing a lot of eyeliner he's walking by the window and then the dead body on the rope just smack and then the music also is cued up perfectly with it da 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 uh oh my god i used to jump even like fourth fifth time watching it i'd forget about it boom ah Guy who plays the mayor's in Lost. I remember that. Oh, everybody's in Lost. Yeah. Or Supernatural. But this is where Joker sort of figures out, like, oh, Batman's willing to jump out a window for this girl. She must be important. Mm -hmm. That sort of gets them all connected to hmm. what's about to happen. Uh, We also get uh, the first Scar story here. My father was a drinker and a yeah, fiend. And a fiend. That's the first scar story we get, which they changed 
every time as yeah. a homage to Killing Joke. Intentionally, a no origin story, yeah. no no true background for yeah. the Joker. I read this theory somewhere about like it could be that the Joker is uh, like a soldier or a veteran. He's suffering from PTSD. Ooh, and it's because think about like he's he knows how to use all these weapons and high grade explosives and tech and yeah, all that stuff. Like, and he's strategic. Yeah. He's very strategic for someone who doesn't have a plan and loves chaos. He's still strategic who, you know, is angry at established Mm -hmm. like government and, and and whatnot. Makes sense. It's an interesting. It also makes you question. um, He went about it the wrong way, but. You know, his whole anti-establishment thing, his whole anti-the-rich, you know, kind of a popular theory these days. They, they don't care about us. You it know? just takes it a little more to takes the it a little anarchy too, side you know? of things. But yeah, this, this was, uh, I mean, I could easily say each time we break it down, it's like, oh, this is one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> Every the whole movie is my favorite yeah. scene. <laughs> Bruce Wayne struggles to understand the Joker's motives, but his butler, Alfred Pennyworth, says that some simply relish destruction. And this is one of the uh, another great scene. Uh, One of those great moments of wisdom from Alfred, which Mm -hmm. I always love those moments. He talks about his friends going through Burma and looking for a guy who who stole these diamonds. And, you know, what's he going to do with these diamonds? And then turns out he's just giving them away to people. He just likes the hunt, you know, the yeah. thrill of it. Yeah, he was he was doing good with it. He was just Robin Hood for them. And that's why they were protecting him. They wouldn't give him away because he was giving them riches. And he gives us that line, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. And that line's one of the ones that stick to me through the whole movie. I'm like, yeah, they do. Dent claims he's Batman at the press conference. To lure out the Joker, who attacks the police convoy transporting him, Batman and Gordon, who faked his death, apprehends the Joker, and Gordon is promoted to commissioner. That's such a great mic drop moment after that intense sequence with the truck and the Batmobile and all that stuff. And they got the Joker, and he comes up and pulls that mask off. We got you, you son of a... Yeah. Oh, yes. I was like, yes, Gordon! Well, because when he took that shot, our first time in the theater, it's like, what? Are they going to kill Gordon in this movie? Yeah, it's I just like, it what be. the hell? But it was such a cool ploy because they had never been one step ahead of him. I think somewhere within that part of the movie, we finally get David Desmalchin. Des- mm-hmm. Desmalchin, is that how you said? Who has got, at this point, to hold the record of most appearances in Batman-related material playing different just dc in general or dc i should say yeah Yeah. he was polka dot man he's done like he did the long halloween as calendar man uh he's in in, uh he's in uh the flash show he plays the villain yeah he's he's probably been in six or seven dc projects whether it's physically or his voice but he's also in a marvel he's in ant-man one and two uh he plays with ti and uh luis yeah, uh, so David Dusmatchin, I love that. Uh, the kids playing in the car, that scene where everything's exploding. Yes. 
that's kind of a cool. So I want to ask a question about that. This is what I always thought. Like, so they're sitting in the car and they're pretending to like shoot, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Batman drives by in the Bat Pod, blowing cars out of the way. How did he know those cars didn't have little boys playing in the front seat like that car did? That all bothered me. Like he's just blasting these cars. How did he know nobody was in it? And then we see right there's two little boys in it. Like he ain't got any kind of like bat. I think he was on the other. Technically, he was on the other side of the lanes, going the wrong way, just blasting stuff. There still could have been kids. There still could have been people. Yeah, I'm watching this as a father now, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The car chase is cool because we actually walked those streets. When we were in Chicago, you remember? Uh, the yeah, underground. I was, I was actually just remembering that because we knew that uh, a lot of uh, the movie had been filmed in Chicago and we yeah. went on a choir trip. And I remember playing on my that iPod Touch yeah. I was talking yeah. about, playing through some of it, like, oh, look, we drove through here in the cab yeah. and like this kind of looks familiar and everything. And we walked across one of the bridges that gets raced. Yes, I was all about looking yeah. for the filming locations in Chicago. Yeah. It's cool. It's really cool. Uh, the semi flip that he does yeah. in the the bike that was real. That yeah. was the, yeah, completely one hundred percent a real stunt because Christopher Nolan, like I said, he's all about making it practical and making it real. Uh, this was where they broke one of those expensive IMAX cameras, one of four. And by the way, yeah. And and by the way, 37 minutes total of this movie is filmed in IMAX. Wow. And I believe this is also somewhere in this area of the movie is when Batman finds Eric Roberts character, who's the brother of Julia Roberts. He plays Maroney uh, Maroney. Mm -hmm. And he, he holds him over that balcony. He's like, Oh yeah, well, uh, you drop me from here, the fall will never kill me. I'm counting on it. He drops you. Hear that terrible? Uh, oh, it makes shattering of his legs. His ankles just and that uh, crunching sound. That right there is why they got the Academy Award for best sound right yeah. there. Someone's Those, in a mic with celery going. Oof! Oh uh, God, gets me every yeah. stinking time. This is also after he does the, the semi flip, he comes busting out of that alley and the, he goes like a do, 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 do. That's very like pod racer um, where his wheels actually go sideways and then spin where he kind of like, it goes like do, 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 and then straightens himself out. I always thought that one was really cool too, especially with the sound effect. Uh, and of course the, the, this is the, this is the scene that Joker's walking on the back of your 10 case and, the one yeah. that where I was like, I want you to do it. We say that stuff, that quote all the time. The um, I, lo- I love when the uh, the dude tries to take the mask off and he gets zapped. He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he spits on his own guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's great stuff. Great scene, and of course, then we uh, we go to the jail. Yeah, so now we've got Batman in custody, and or not Batman, the Joker in custody. Mm-hmm. Batman shows up. And interrogates him. We have that great moment where, you know, he's like, oh, the good cop, bad cop routine. And Gordon gets up to go get his coffee. The light comes on and there's Batman. Boom. Smacking his head down on the table. But he says uh, he doesn't want to kill Batman. He's he's too much fun for him. You complete me or something like that. I don't want to kill you. This goes back to that idea of Batman and Joker being the yin and yang and everything. Yeah. 
so can do this do, forever. Having deduced Batman's feelings for Rachel, the Joker reveals that she and Dent are being separately held in buildings that are rigged to explode. Batman races to save Rachel while Gordon goes after Dent, but they discover the Joker has switched their positions. Rachel is killed in the explosion while Dent's face is severely burned on one side, and they build up to it so perfectly with when he falls over and the canister of the gas falls over and they show you the shot of him like uh, struggling Mm -hmm. with the gas just dripping down his face and all throughout the movie it's like as harvey Dent, he has the conversations with jim like oh yeah i hear they have a different name for me down at county it's yeah two-face harvey two-face harvey two-face oh so good this is also the scene where he uh he 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 told Christian Bell to really beat him up. Yep. Like Christian will say, yeah, he he told me to hit him and throw him and really lay lay into him. Uh, he wanted that performance, and uh, I mean, he goes all the way for it, and it's just another testament to his commitment, his his commitment to the craft and his love for the craft, really. Uh, so because Joker put some kind of weird phone bomb in one of his dudes oh, and he said something about bright light. he replaced yeah. it with bright lights Light. uh so he's able to explode that dude and escape custody uh and then he finds lao and all the money and he decides to burn all of it mm. do you think so like the last time we see lao he's sitting on top of that money and then they pour the gas on and the light on fire did he burn up on top of that money yeah yeah that's kind of what i thought too yeah uh, so and one interesting thing that was pointed out uh, that I never would have thought of when they give you the location of Harvey, it's 250 52nd Street. You say when you say it out loud, you say 50 twice, 50, 50, 50, 50. He's got a 50, 50 chance of making it. And, you know, Two-Face is all about the odds. Yeah. Yeah. If you leave, who'd you leave her with? This is also the same when we get the good evening, commissioner. commissioner. And the the clap that he does. I, I think I had heard somewhere that that was improv. Him clapping yeah, the clap that. was improv. Yeah. 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 What a genius. There's actually a lot of his, his mannerisms are improv throughout this whole movie. Uh, so Wayne Enterprise's accountant, Coleman Reese... Coleman Reese deduces Batman's identity and attempts to expose it. But the Joker threatens to blow up a hospital unless Reese is killed because the Joker doesn't want to know his identity. While the police evacuate hospitals and Gordon struggles to keep Reese alive, the Joker meets with a delusioned dent, persuading him to take justice into his own hands and avenge Rachel. Dent defeats his decision making to his uh, or defers his decision making to his half scarred two headed coin, killing the corrupt officers and mafioso who contributed to Rachel's death. So two things in this scene. In these this this little group here, one is uh, when he's got the gun held to his head. Mm-hmm. The Joker has the gun to his head, giving him a choice. No, go ahead and kill me. You know, flip the coin. If I die, if you shoot me, you shoot me. The Joker has his thumb in the hammer. So it wouldn't shoot him even if he clicked. So that's just like a little nuance, just a little thing that, you know, the Joker's like, I don't really want him to kill me. I'm just giving him the choice. I know what he'll do. He's pissed, you know? 
Um, and he's that crazy, but he's also like, I also don't want to be shot in the head because I've still got shit to do. This is also one of the few times where he's not wearing gloves. Mm -hmm. And you can see the white face paint on his fingers that shows you like he does this like, yeah, it's real that he does this makeup himself every day. Yeah. Which is really cool because this is one of the first times that we have a Joker who's not from like falling into a vat of acid, you know? Yeah. I like it. uh, Like I said, it's it's very grounded. Uh, Christopher Nolan does a lot grounded in reality. You know, another fun fact is uh, we didn't discuss is he's got his makeup off when he shoots Jim in the street scene. When Jim jumps in the front of the bullet, he's got his makeup off, but you still see his scars. He's also in the restaurant that they're eating dinner at when Christian, when Bruce first meets He's actually like over their left shoulder, like eating with a woman, just Heath Ledger, just no makeup, just, just Heath Ledger's just in that what? scene. Yeah. He, you just see the back of his head and he turns a couple of times having conversations and yeah. When it, when is this again? When they're at dinner and Bruce shows up and he's like, Rachel, fancy that. Let's pull oh, these tables yeah, 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 yeah. He's having place. dinner with a girl. Like it's just, Heath just put in the scene, just no hanging way. out. Just. Just as he just in the background. Wow. Yeah. So in the uh, segment we just talked about, we get that great hospital explosion scene. Mm -hmm. And I had heard that. uh, That myth or rumor or whatever for years that, you know, they rig the building to explode and Mm -hmm. part of it explodes and then just kind of stops and that Heath Ledger stops and is like looking around like, oh, well, is that it for years that that was because something messed up and he improv that that is not true it was planned to be that way which mm-hmm. makes sense when you're gonna have big explosions on a set you do it safely um, oh yeah you can't improv so, yeah. explosions but that explode i mean that's a they really blew up a building i mean yeah. they, they only got one shot at doing that so it has to be perfect yeah. so obviously you're gonna plan out yeah. all the details and uh also a, a casting note here anthony michael hall who it took me a long time to to recognize who that was do you know who anthony michael hall is off the top of your head absolutely he's an 80s star man yes yes of course breakfast club yes uh, there's a pretty and pink he's also yes. in or yes. 16 candles one of those he's yes. also uh, he's also in this new halloween series he plays yep. grown-up tommy yes and you know uh and I guess it was the early nineties, whatever he was in Edward Scissorhands. He was the jerk boyfriend mm-hmm. to an owner writer. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. He's, he's, he's timeless, man. He's been in a lot. As panic grips the city, the Joker reveals two evacuation ferries, one carrying civilians and the other prisoners. And it's rigged to explode at midnight unless one group sacrifices the other. To the Joker's disbelief, the passengers refuse to kill one another. Batman subdues the Joker, but refuses to kill him. Before the police arrest the Joker, he says, although Batman proved to be incorruptible, his plan to corrupt Harvey Dent has succeeded. What did you do? Um, Why do you want to kill me? Tiny Lister. It's another one of them. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about this when... Uh, uh, what movie were we talking Fifth about Element. recently? We were doing Fifth Element, and we also s- shortly mentioned that he's the criminal who, on the boat with the handcuffs on, that throws the detonator out. Yeah, it's a strong scene. 
Uh, I've always wondered this. The last shot we see of Joker, they're the police are hoisting him up, right? Mm -hmm. He's been laughing because I won. I corrupted Harvey Dent, blah, blah, blah. I showed you. His expression sort of changes. And I've always wondered, like, is he still laughing, like, maniacally? Or is this turning into almost like a cry? It kind of, if you go back and watch it, it looks almost like, oh, no, you know? But I feel like that's really out of character for the Joker, even though he's lost. and. Mm -hmm. Seems to not have a contingency plan here for once. But he kind of set out to do what he wanted. Um, right. So that would justify it being a laugh. Uh, the so cry, apathetic about everything all the time. The cry would, if it, if it, if his choice was to start crying, it'd probably be more in like, a, I'm laughing so much I'm crying. Or just he had a, no. a shift. Did you know that there was a deleted scene there? That they I initially couldn't find anything. Well, they shelved this thing because Heath died. There was an alternate take that they wanted to do where Joker would cut the cord and kill himself. Oh, as opposed to be, they had a whole thing shot and they're just like, no, let's scrap it. Yeah, because Heath died. Yeah. Um. Well, and it's something that that Joker probably would do. Just be like, I corrupted Dan. You ain't taking my ass in. Cut. I can you know, see that. and now my death is on your hands. And you'll think about that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But uh, it's probably smart not to take, not to go with that take. Before we move on, did, have you ever caught the quick thing that a lot of people don't catch? When Maroney's getting in the car, you can actually see Dan grab one of his, like, really quickly. Have you ever no. noticed that? It's when no. he's on the cane and he's about to get in the car with... And, you know, Dent's just sitting there with the gun like, hey. Yeah. If you if you watch it slowly or if you slow it down, his driver's getting in. Maroney's getting in. On the other side of the car, you see a guy starting to get in, another thug. And you just see this arm grab him from behind. That's Dent. It's so quick. It's so quick. So I have the movie playing over here on my TV next to me. Okay. And it actually just did that part. So if I can figure out how to get back to it. I noticed it, not this past time, but a couple of times ago. Because I think I've told you, I watch it monthly. Like, it's just something I put in. Like, if I'm doing laundry, like, I'll put it in and I'll quote it from the other room. Or it's just one of those movies that at least once a month, it's in my system playing. Okay. There he is, pointing the gun at him. Go back a little bit. Yeah. This is your driver. It was Ramirez. You wouldn't dare try to justify yourself if you knew what I lost. Oh, yep. Yeah, it's quick. Years have gone by and people still have. Because I remember like stopping and going, what the hell was that? I just noticed something really quick in the corner over there. And I went back and slowed it. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's been in this movie all these years. You just blew my mind with (laughs) that. Holy, it's crazy. Holy cow. You know, poor Aaron Eckhart had to really walk around with half a shaved head. Yeah, I know. The things you do for, for your craft. Mm. So Dent takes Gordon's family hostage, blaming his negligence for Rachel's death. He flips his coin to decide their fates. Batman tackles him to save Gordon's son. And Dent falls to his death, believing Dent is the hero the city needs. 
Batman takes the blame for his death and actions and persuades Gordon to conceal the truth. Pennyworth burns an undelivered message to Wayne from Rachel, who said she chose Dent. And Fox destroys the invasive surveillance network that helped Batman find the Joker. The city mourns Dent as a hero, and the police launch a manhunt for Batman. In the next one, doesn't Alfred tell him the truth? Like, yeah. no, she, yeah, that's what I thought. And then he like sends him away. The invasive thing that he destroyed, like that was a big pop whenever people saw it because it gave us the wide eye look. It's a thing that he, he took part of the sonar thing that Lucius built and turned everyone's cell phone in Gotham City into a sonar reader. And he could watch it like on a big computer. And when he flips that thing on, his eyes go white, like the old animated show. And that yeah. was a big Easter egg and a big pop. We, we kind of see the creation of what we've always known Batman to be, hunted by the cops. Because in a lot of early Batman, aside from those early stuff with like Adam West and like, you know, Michael Keaton's was a little bit hunted. And then you had George Clooney and Val Kilmer's who were out and about interacting with the, the common folk but you know in the early animated stuff and in a lot of the comics he was a vigilante he was hunted by the police you know most of the police were ready to like harvey bullock was ready to bring him in they had task forces and this was kind of that easter egg like i can be that person you'll hunt me i can do that you can I'll, that's fine you know he we can't let people see what he became yeah can't because it would destroy everything that yeah. we worked on so we see that sacrifice that Batman's willing to make, and it gives him a chance to hang it up. He thinks it's an opportunity to hang it up for that. But how wrong he is, because there's a third movie. The burning of the letter from Rachel when she says she chose Dent, we knew it was like, oh, that's going to come into play in the next movie or something. Yeah. But yeah, it was, a, it was a good end, that, that soundtracking at the end as he's running. And Gordon's talking over and he's like, he did his son has, why is he running? He did nothing wrong. He's like, cause he, he can, he can take it. We'll hunt him. Cause he's the hero that Gotham deserves, but not, or he's the hero Gotham needs, but not what they deserve. Not now. Yeah. And that whole, do, 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 and then boom. The da -da, da, um, da -da, da -da. Yeah. Just a, a great ending. And Joker isn't killed, but uh, we, see the death of Two-Face already, which I thought was was one of the bigger shocks to me. It's like, wow, we're just going to go ahead and kill him off? You talked yeah. earlier about, you know, the potential of the Joker coming back in the third one and all that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this like twice in uh, two episodes in a row here. We're going to add one more thing, potentially, to the redemption of Batman and Robin. There's a brief moment in Batman and Robin when I guess someone Poison Ivy's breaking into Arkham to get Bane or something. Oh, like that. yeah, the lockers. You can see the Two Face and Riddler yeah. outfits like hung up in this room there. Like yeah. as a little it's like a, it's like a vault. Yeah. Movie, right? So it's like, yeah, they're here, you know. Yeah. I you thought know, that was really cool. Okay. So two things. So we got two so far. Alfred story arc and story about and Alfred and Easter uh, egg reference from, to yeah. the previous villains. What happened to him? Yeah. Well, the two face died. 
because he oh, falls yeah, down that well, and right. Riddler goes crazy. So I guess I'm Batman. Yes, that sort of ruins that one thing, doesn't it? Since kind of. Well, well I, but I like, but I still like it because Two Face died. I still liked it because it's like it's like Arkham's locker, like like a vault. Like we keep maybe, all the bad stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just Riddler. I don't know. We'll find out very soon when we do yes. our. Our analysis of uh this uh piece of work that it is of of cinema of, history yeah <laughs> you always joke you're always like some things you call movies and some things you call film <laughs> that's a movie that is a movie that's a movie yeah, that's not right. a film <laughs> but the dark knight is, is a, a film, film. <laughs> and it is speaking a of the dark knight before we wrap it up here, uh, we got a few little extra pieces of uh, nerdledge that, that we hadn't covered yet. Mm-hmm. So this movie, of course, is dedicated to the memory of Heath Ledger, but also uh, Mr. Conway Wycliffe, I hope I'm saying that right, who uh, is a stuntman, was a stuntman who unfortunately also uh, passed away. During, I guess, production of the movie, he was yeah. uh, in one of the cars. So he was a passenger mm-hmm. in one of the cars. Uh, this next one I thought was very interesting. The nine-minute Joker score that was created for the movie is based on the notes D and C on purpose. Beautiful. As a reference to DC Comics. Beautiful. This is the first Batman movie, believe it or not, not to mention the name Batman in the title of the movie. <laughs> and I think the only one, right? Can you think of any other one that's that's done that? Uh, Dark Knight Rises. I mean, uh, yeah, that's true. But other than those two, uh, no, no, that's um, it. no, not that I can think of. So there is a place in the world called Batman, Turkey. Okay. Spelled B A T M A N, Batman, but it's okay. Batman, Turkey. Batman. And uh, they attempted to sue uh, WB because they felt like this was infringement. Okay, because it's Batman and they are in Batman Turkey, and they tried to argue that the release of the Dark Knight Rises movie, not Dark Knight Rises, the Dark Knight, led to like fear and suicides and murders in their city. So they say. Well, needless to say, this case is thrown out. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, The Dark Knight was banned in China but became one of the most bootlegged films in the history of the country. <laughs> uh, here's one that I never would have connected. Coleman Reese, the uh, attorney that's working for the Wayne uh, Foundation, whatever. I thought this him. shit from the theater. Like, I thought that. Well, of course you one. did. Well, we're not all as genius as yeah. you, Tyler. Yeah. But Mr. Reese, the name is meant to be like mystery because... This character is meant to be a nod to the Riddler who was going to expose the identity mm-hmm. of, of... And he had red hair. So, Mysteries, Mysteries. Uh, so, yeah, Mr. Patrick Le- Leahy, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He is a uh, attorney and senator from Vermont. And he is a huge Batman fan. So much so... That he has been appearing in Batman content since 1995. He had an uncredited cameo as himself in Batman Forever. 
He did a voice of a governor in an episode of Batman the Animated Series, an episode called Showdown. He played himself again in Batman and Robin. And then in The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, he plays a board member for Wayne Enterprises. He's the one at the party that Joker says, you remind me of my father. Oh, we're not, we're not afraid of scum like you. Yes. And then he also made an appearance in Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice as Senator Purrington. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's, yeah. on the, he's on the panel with... Uh, so he dies in the explosion. <laughs> so I, I, I guess he is uh, sort of neck and neck with that Desmouchin as appearances. Uh, <laughs> DC content. And uh, the last little thing I got here is uh, this is the first Batman movie in which the bad guys successfully kill people with bombs. That's true. Yeah. Because usually they cut the wire before it happens, always at first, one. Uh, the first one to really take that dark tone. So. Yeah. Well, I got a couple of some nerdlage that I found in my digging. All right. When filming a chase scene on Lake Street, which we've walked on, like we said, the Chicago Police Department received several calls from concerned citizens stating that the police were involved in a vehicle pursuit with a dark vehicle of unknown maker model. It looks like a Batmobile, but I don't know. It's probably that say it looks like an alien spacecraft. The police are chasing it. Aaron Eckhart spoke about a unique experience he had with Heath Ledger during the hospital scene. He said that before lines were exchanged, Ledger would just walk around in character, mumbling to himself in an odd manner. All Eckhart could do at the same time was just watch him while still in character. This went on for several minutes until Ledger got close to him. Eckhart felt compelled at the point to fiercely raise his hand up. Immediately, Ledger grabbed Eckhart's raised hand in an equal-matched, fierce manner. When the scene was over, Ledger, Ledger looked at him and said, that's, like out of character, and said, that's what that's acting's, what acting's all, about. all about. Ugh. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, it's, story. It's, it's a beautiful story. I tried to look for, like, bloopers and deleted scenes and stuff. Mm. There's none of that because no, Christopher it, Nolan knows exactly what he wants, and he doesn't have a second unit. He oversees everything. So the movie that we... The movie that he makes is the movie that we get, pretty much, more or less. And he's he's like that with all of his movies, right? So there much. were there was no bloopers, no nothing like that. I couldn't find anything, but I did see a lot of interviews of like actors talking about Heath Ledger and working with him and stuff, and everyone just spoke really highly of him. Christopher Nolan and his co-writer Jonathan Nolan and David S. Goyer made the decision fairly early to not explore the Joker's origin. That was so the character could be presented as an absolute. Yes. And they nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you should ever know the Joker's origin. Kind of like Yoda. I don't I don't want to know the Joker's origin. That's one thing that I've I've really kind of grasped with the Joker is like I know that even the best Joker we have, Mark Hamill, my favorite Joker, has an origin story. And Jack Nicholson's has an origin story, I know. But I kind of like this idea that you don't know who he is. Yeah. He's not Joe Chill. He's not you know, Jack Napier or it, having it more fear, having a different story every time is even better. And the last little bit, uh, this was uh, actually not on purpose, but at around one hour and 18 minutes during the chase scene, when the Joker takes over driving the semi smiley after his face. driver's killed, the bullet holes actually made a smiley face on the windshield. Yep. 
and that was all accidental. I mean, there's so much, you know, I highly recommend to all of you all when, when we're doing these things like this unknown nerdledge, uh, a lot of it comes from, you know, IMDb, you know, there's an entire, every movie possible. There's an entire trivia section at the bottom and that's what it is. They call it trivia. We call it unknown nerdledge. Go and look it up on some of these movies. You find out fascinating stuff that way and you never know. And the reason that I kind of digest that kind of stuff is you never know when a trivia question is going to come up at, you know, trivia night at Calhoun's or something, something like that. Like who is considered who got screen tested for Batman for Christian before Christian Bell? Oh, Killian Murphy. I know I that. Tell, I tell my students all the time. You never know when this thing that I'm about to tell you is uh, going to be the million dollar question on Jeopardy or who wants to be a millionaire or whatever. Uh, so you better listen up and mm-hmm. then write me a check when you get that money. Yeah. Just a small percentage. Just a thank you. Yeah. Well, Juice, this has been great. Nerds, nerdettes, thank you for listening. For the next episode, we are going to be finishing out Nolan vs. November with The Dark Knight Rises. It's, it's you know, it's nowhere near this one, but still better than Begins, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to the refresher on this because it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen this one in a while. I'm so. looking forward to uh, many Bane quotes on the next episode. Oh, yes. It was like darkness is your ally. I was murdered by it. Like an old wizard. You've come here to save the prince from the dragon? You sound like Bill Cosby now. <laughs> Don't you know? all right nerds thank you for tuning in stay kind to yourselves stay kind to one another for the doctor of nerdonomics i am your duke of nerds and we are the velvet fog of the podcast world thank you for tuning into 30 and nerdy cheers to you Two dudes who met back in college Nobody loved pop culture more So they started a podcast to talk all about it And 30 and Nerdy was born Oh, 30 and Nerdy was born You might hear them chat about shows like The Witcher Or movies like Lord of the Rings And if Josh has to choose, he is loyal to Marvel While Tyler goes more for DC Yes, Tyler goes more for DC Now come, come, one and all Nerd up or shut up, just answer the call To be part of our journey into magical worlds Join us and cheers to ya nerds Join us and cheers to ya nerds I won't kill you You won't kill me because of some Self-righteous Self-righteous Code code. And I won't won't kill you you Because you're just too much fun Fun (laughs) I have a feeling we'll be doing this forever Oh, the old familiar places.